Friends, thank you for listening to this first podcast of what we hope will be many, aimed primarily as a resource for parents of youth and children to help you uh, navigate the, the challenges of leading a Christian home, of following Jesus Christ yourself, but also being that most important influence and guide for your household, for your children. And so we have these conversations all the time amongst ourselves in the office, primarily between uh, Luke Klingstead and myself, Father Steve. And oftentimes we, we pause and say, gosh, we ought to expand this conversation to include others to help them be a part of this conversation and to think about um, following Jesus Christ. And uh, with, especially in light of great tragedy, like we're living in right now with the recent headlines, primarily I'm thinking of of the shooting in Uvalde, Texas, but also the shootings in Buffalo, New York, and Los Angeles, and probably a dozen other places right now that I haven't even heard about on television because it's such a problem. So today we're going to talk about um, reflecting on our faith in light of these recent events. How do we have these conversations in our homes? What are some practical aids to, uh, to model our faith in light of, of these kinds of news stories um, and other things that, that come with that. So um, Luke's going to lead us in prayer, and then we'll, we'll go deeper into this conversation. Thanks, Father Steve. And for those of you who don't know me, my name is Luke Klingstead. I work primarily with the youth and children here at St. Timothy's. And like you said, before we get into it, I want to open us up with the prayer for peace from the 1979 Book of Common Prayer. Let us pray. Eternal God, in whose perfect kingdom no sword is drawn but the sword of righteousness, no strength known but the strength of love, so mightily spread abroad your spirit that all peoples may be gathered under the banner of the Prince of Peace, as children of one Father, to whom be dominion and glory, now and forever. Amen. Just thinking, every generation now, after a certain after a certain year, seems to have one school shooting that sort of defines their their coming of age. Members of St. Timothy's know about, about my experience with my mother in 19, 1988. I think after that, people of my generation, we were in college when Columbine happened, and then maybe Parkland would be the next one. I'm just curious for you, we haven't had this conversation, but what would, what's the first major school shooting that you remember that shook you to the point that you realized this is a new reality, a new normal, that you have to think about these things when you go to school and process these things. So do you remember that moment for you? Yeah, I think um, there was, you know, stories here and there when I grew up. It was really Parkland that made me connect it with friends that I had that, you know, made me look at them differently and say, you know, what if I had to experience this? How many of my friends would be killed? How many would be left? Um, and then seeing the reaction to Parkland and seeing um, how many millions of conversations were happening all across the country. And then, at least in my experience, that kind of seemed to be a domino effect where it's just increasing more and more and more and more. Um, but I think for me, it was it was Parkland. And then growing up with you know, stories of, of Columbine and, and then Sandy Hook. Um, and those kind of were always present in my mind, but Parkland was the one that really, you know, drove it home. 
So working with youth, as you primarily do, when you hear of, again, it happens on a on an increasingly frequent basis, when you hear of tragedies like Parkland, Sandy Hook, now uh, Uvalde, Texas, what are the first things you think about and what are the things you think about in connection to our faith and, and youth? And where, where does your heart immediately go? I think I'm always struck by the questions that the youth are asking, because I think that the ones we all think are being asked, where is God in this? Why would God let this happen? Those are important questions, um, but that's not always the one kids are asking. I think some that I hear all the time are, when will this end? You know, how do we get this to stop? And almost a concern over a numbing effect of it. I've heard, I've heard several of our youth say, yeah, you know, I, I see it happen and I just don't know if I have a reaction anymore because I've seen so many of them. And so um, the, the big, you know, big theological ones that we all, we all talk about, you know, where is God in this of suffering? Obviously important, and it's questions that we've had in our youth group a lot. Um, but I think the frequency that they've been happening with leads to different types of questions. Um, you know, when is this going to stop? Is this the new normal? And, you know, what if I don't really have a reaction to this anymore? Have I just accepted it? And is that good or bad? Um, and so I think we're starting to see a shift of that. So for youth um, and parents of youth and children, where do you think is the place we should begin in trying to ask the right questions and then allowing our faith to help reveal a way forward in our own and our own lives and, and even as we, as we work to make this world a better place? Yeah, I think the ideal is always what people want to get to is where's the hope in this? Um, you know, practically, that is always the goal is to give, give especially kids some, some glimmer of hope, um, some glimpse of hope that we have as Christians. And I think that can be done poorly by trying to jump there too quickly. I think the best place to start is just talking about the person of Jesus Christ and especially the suffering of Jesus Christ and how suffering is redeemed in the Christian story. And I think um, we, we use that phrase a lot, but actually sitting with how suffering is redeemed in Jesus Christ. It is not just eliminated without dealing with it. Jesus Christ becomes death. He becomes one of us and experiences suffering just like we do. Actually starting there, I think, especially for kids, gives them some semblance of, you know, connection to, to the person of Jesus Christ. Oh, he knows what I've gone through. Um, this is not somebody, you know, swooping in to save me from a distance, but this is actually someone who has experienced the same sufferings I do. He's lost friends. He's wept like I have. He's experienced, you know, that anxiety. Um, and I think starting with the person of Jesus Christ and how he identifies himself with those who suffer can be a, a, a huge benefit in making that first connection. Starting with Jesus Christ on the cross specifically, not only does he know our grief and our pain, but he also was murdered. Mm -hmm. He was an innocent person who was who was murdered at the at the the motivation of of all the evil things that that end that bring about the end of people's lives now. Um, and also, I guess it brings up uh, some points of reflection on what is wrong with our human condition. Mm -hmm. I mean, th this this individual in Texas, for instance. Uh, 
killed children, killed his grandmother. I mean, there was a brokenness that is undeniable that we simply can't sugarcoat or 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 walk around. It talks about the the need for redemption for the whole human race is that apart from God, we are broken, we are fallen, and that we need grace and we need love every single one. And despite the fact that every single year we, we make progress in just about every aspect of life, technologically, socially, so on and so forth, we still at our core have this have this gap between where we are called to be and where we are. And despite all of our best efforts, we are unable to bridge that gap. And of course, that is where our hope in Jesus Christ is found, is that he is that bridge. He is the one that brings about that at-one-ment, that atonement with God, which then brings us into into right relationship with one another. So starting with Jesus Christ on the cross does uh, two things immediately. The first question is, why is he there? And we have a reflection upon um, the fallenness fallenness of our world, the fallen nature of, of humanity, but also his his passion, which brings about solidarity with all who have and will suffer, and his victory over that. That's right. And you know, once you establish that connection with Jesus Christ and the reality of his suffering, then I think all the other questions that you're trying to get to, you know, where is God in this? Where's the hope? I think those naturally fall into place. But if you can, especially with the youth, get them to make that first connection with the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, um, then you can have some of the more productive conversations. This happened last year, you know, with, with a shooting at one of the nearby high schools um, in the first you know, week after that, um, it was just talking about the person of Jesus Christ, gathering to pray. And then months and months later, still to this day, now we're finally having those conversations about where's redemption in this? Where's the hope in this? Where is God present in this? Um, and I'm seeing some of our youth finally able to deal with those bigger picture questions that may have been too fresh at the beginning. And we simply sat in prayer with Jesus Christ. So often we, we hear about some cynicism regarding thoughts and prayers. In fact, even today, today is uh, May 31st. Um, I don't know anything about the organization, but just down the road from the church is going to be a rally by, um, and the rally is called Thoughts and Prayers and Now What, I think is the name of it. What is your reaction if youth and children, youth especially, have or reflect or repeat some of that cynicism of prayer being ineffective, uh, at least it seems to be ineffective in the face of tragedy such as this. Yeah, I think um, one of the first things I always do is is reassure them that in no way has Christian tradition ever shied away from, from action being connected to prayer. Um, one of the common you know, quotes or phrases or, or church fathers, you can always reference this John Chrysostom, who always says, you know, love of neighbor is better than solitary prayer. Or he, you know, has the famous quote about if you can't see Christ at the beggar at the church door, you won't find him in the chalice. In no way has Christianity ever shied away from connecting our prayer with actions. But they also have understood the foundation of prayer very clearly, that that prayer undergirds, you know, our view of the world. If we hope to be witnesses of the crucifixion and in hope of Jesus Christ, we have to ourselves be connected to him, and that and that comes from prayer. Um, St. Augustine says that God is nearer to us than we are to ourselves. 
You know, we're, we're trying to become aware ourselves of the presence of God all around us. And when we can make that connection and when we can start to see God in all the people that we encounter, that's when the actions naturally follow. So I think trying to get them to make that, that jump that we're not, we're not um, taking an either or. We're trying to get to the place where we can have actions most effectively. And that comes from seeing Jesus Christ in every single person we encounter. And that comes from prayer. It really is a false dichotomy to say it has to be prayer or action right. when it's prayer and action. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if if we don't, if we aren't grounded in prayer, if we aren't filtering our anger, our anxiety, our fear, all of those emotions through prayer, then our actions will not be uh, well formed. They'll be poorly formed and maybe even harmful and destructive. I mean, Maybe a way to think about it is to is to think about how oftentimes whenever there's a great act of violence or hatred like a school shooting, one would hope and think that the response from from people would be to come together for in solidarity for the for healing and hope and a way forward. But oftentimes what happens is when you have a, a moment like this, the country actually becomes more divided. Mm-hmm. And and partly there is that I think there's there's this uh laudable instinct to make the world a better place. But unless that is filtered through some understanding about why we are the way we are to begin with, the limitations of what we can accomplish of our own and where our true hope and healing is found, then oftentimes our response will in some ways mirror the problem, uh, one of division, one of uh, increasing animosity, maybe even one of added hatred. So we need to, and I think as parents, sort of help our children and help ourselves sort of really uh, mitigate that, that temptation to, to make that distinction between prayer and action when it really is a, a false, false dichotomy. Speaking of, of practical things that parents can do for themselves or for their youth or elementary age children, what sort of advice or counsel would you offer them? Yeah, I think... So many adults who, you know, might not have um, school-aged children are just so unaware of the constant demands and pressures that, that our, our children and our students are facing. And if you're a parent with a student, you are more aware of this than you ever have been. Um, but the, the constant inundation of, you know, everything from active shooter drills that they're doing once a month to, you know, gray notifications being sent to their phone. I mean, none of this was stuff that even I had in high school 10 years ago, um, but it's now just constantly there. And so I think recognizing just how much our students are having to, to filter through. They're, they're being told to, you know, create their own brand for college, and they're constantly worried about that. They're being told that they've got to dedicate 110% to whatever sport they want to excel in while also trying to do the same for their grades and also trying to be at church and have social circles. I mean, it is, it is never-ending, and I think that that is setting them up for, you know, poor reactions to situations like this. And so I think um, being aware of that, being aware of the pressure that's constantly facing them, and figuring out how to give them those times of rest and kind of distance from those constant pressures, cultivating your home as a home of peace and prayer, and that being a safe place for your student to return to can do so much for their mental health, um, and that can kind of, you know, carry them through that when situations like this arise and when they're asked to respond to this, 
um, they're prepared to do so. And, and that doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but setting them up for success, setting them up for for truths grounded in prayer in Jesus Christ, I think can go a long way. And, and the first step of that is just being aware of how much do they have to respond to each and every day? And the list goes on and on and on. And practical things, um, maybe not have the 24-hour news cycle yeah. on in the house on every television, Absolutely. especially for younger children where this is, I mean, obviously we have a natural curiosity to, mm -hmm. to have information, but maybe recognize there are younger younger um, minds and ears around us. Maybe also watch our own language as mm -hmm. we discuss this with our spouses or friends or when we're talking on the telephone to see how, what message are we given about how, how are we modeling a, an appropriate Christian response to this. Come to church. Mm -hmm. Come to church on a regular basis to model this is what we do. This is, this is how we navigate all the complexities and difficulties in our own suffering, both personal but also as, as, as the human race, we come and we offer this before the Lord. We receive Holy Communion. We we make the practice of our faith a priority, so that so that we we don't have to be reminded that that um, that prayer and action are 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 two sides of the same coin because we 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 breathe it we understand that mm -hmm. by by being in in the community of faith um and and living this and um reading the holy scripture sort of uh, uh navigating all of these through the story of our faith the wisdom of the ages as people before us have gone through the details are obviously different but the human nature is quite the same and to see how God's love and mercy and redemption echoes through those through those texts as well, but also use your resources. Mm -hmm. Obviously, use your mental health resources for your for your for your household, for you, for your children. Use use your church um, for questions that maybe you don't feel equipped that you know how to answer. Um, call on us to help us. We can help you sort of think about how to address these issues um, going forward, and to and to. Pray as a family. Offer these anxieties, offer these times of confusion to the Lord in prayer. And as you were saying this, one more thing popped into my head, especially for parents. Be aware of what images are being shown to your kids. Um, I think, especially as they get older and they have you know cell phones with social media and are just constantly being projected images and, and scenes and, and opinions and all sorts of things, um, the one place you can help to control that is within your home. Have icons, have crosses, have crucifixes all over your house. I mean, give your children that constant reminder of Jesus Christ on the cross, of the saints. Um, and those images can always kind of bring you back. Um, if, you're, if your child is, you know, having a tough day, for an example, or you know, stressed out, anxious, I mean, whatever it may be, seeing that, that visual reminder is, is kind of a way to draw us back into these truths that we've been talking about. And so I think there are a lot of practical ways, um, and there's more that I'm sure we're missing, but, you know, hopefully those are, are some to kind of jog your mind of, you know, how can I, you know, keep my children focused on what is really important and, and help them um, when they're struggling. And of course, remember, we're all in this together. We're all aching and we're all longing and we're all 
we're all on this journey to come to know the love of the Lord even more and to let it permeate our lives that we may reflect his his grace and love and and come to know his glory. So let us do this together. Let us um, not forget that we are never alone in this and the Lord is with us. Amen.